0: Good afternoon, everybody. It's great to see you. Um, great to be able to spend some time uh, working through this series, which has been uh, fascinating as we've been looking at some of the ideas in in the Book of Proverbs and thinking about how they can present to us a, a different wisdom, maybe from the wisdom that we would naturally gain uh, in our in our daily lives. It's an extraordinary wisdom, a supernatural wisdom, a biblical wisdom. It's a bis- a wisdom. Uh, which is shaped by God. But but the, the theme that we're going to be looking at this afternoon is one which I think is incredibly important and maybe more poignant um, in the day that we now live in. Um, this past year has really brought it to, to, to prominence in terms of wisdom is knowing what endures. We were out um, for lunch yesterday, And uh, one of those things that you can now do, and and the cafe that we were in had a balcony. Uh, We were just looking down on the tables that that were below us, and there were two two ladies sat at the table. Uh, And next thing, another two ladies came in, and they hugged each other. Um, It looked like they were actually going to spend the rest of the afternoon hugging each other rather than eating. Um, But it struck me that something which uh, I guess they'd taken for granted, for so long had been taken away for a year uh, and they were so expressive and delighted uh, to be able to to hug again Um, and I suppose it really made me think we spend a lot of our time don't we thinking about what is going to come next with that kind of hope that that maybe what's around the corner is better than where it is now and all of the rest of it um th- there is a sense in which maybe one way to live a contented life just from an earthly perspective is to, to maybe consider that this is the best that it will ever be and, and to enjoy it as it is. But but is that actually satisfying as well? Uh, we yearn for something more, um, but we're also confronted with the question of of what is going to endure. What can we actually be sure of? because actually so much lets us down. We're going to look at three proverbs initially, um, and they really point into this issue of the things that we look to for security, the things that we look to uh, for protection. uh, So often they do let us down. Um, And we've said right from the very beginning, proverbs is almost this black mirror of human existence. It puts up in front of us, some stark realities, uh, but it doesn't end with Proverbs, that the book of Proverbs doesn't end in terms of God's uh, journey of communicating to us, it's part of his story. And so I want to see how these Proverbs that we're going to look at uh, today actually open up in the rest uh, of the storyline of the Bible, and maybe this little incident that we read from Luke chapter 21 uh, can really impress on our minds some some different perspectives of what actually does endure. So let's have a look at uh, these three Proverbs first. The first one is Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 7, and it says this, hopes placed in mortals die with them. All the promise of their power comes to nothing. That's such a, a very clear statement, isn't it? And it really I think it almost has a, has a double meaning um, in one sense. There is the, the way in which we trust in others. And so often we, we find ourselves, we realize that when we trust in others, we, we recognize that there is a very, very much a key word that is used in this proverb. Uh, and it's that fourth word, mortals. The fourth word in that sentence is captures. Really, why placing our hope in mortals, people who die, our hope dies with them. Whether that's uh, on one hand, we we place all of our hope in somebody who leaves us um, uh, and, and passes away. On another sense, there is a sense in which somebody can almost die to us. They become disconnected relationally. It's as though they've died. Uh, and both of those experiences really push into this idea that our hope placed in other people dies with that person. And, and when we place our hope in somebody else and they die either physically or, or um, representationally, we find that our hope is killed. I know that for many of us, that has been a a really powerful, poignant, bitter experience. That our hope has been placed so much in somebody. And Proverbs raises up this picture, presents it to us and confronts us really. And says, this is where you potentially are placing your hope in mortals who die. That figurative death or or that literal death. So powerful, so poignant. Uh, And it begins to shape our thinking, doesn't it? It begins to push us into a place where we start to ask ourselves well, then, what can I rely on? What, What can I trust in? Ecclesiastes, another book of wisdom literature in the Old Testament. Uh, traces the um, the coaleth, the 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 wise one, in the way that he he looks for security and he searches out wisdom in so many different places. Uh, one of the places that he s- searches out is in riches, in in wealth. Uh, and we see in Proverbs twenty-three, four and five, we see the alternative to placing our security on our hope in a person. The alternative is that we could place our security and our hope in, in riches in the things that appear to provide security in this world. 24, 23, 4 and 5 says this, Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness. Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle i think the the writer of this proverb is is painting this amazingly poetic picture where he's saying to he's saying to the reader if you think about it you can strive for the security of riches you can surround yourself with the security of riches but they can disappear as though they've got wings and they fly off It's so many have found that experience to be so powerfully and sadly true. Where we place our our trust, we place our security in something which is very tangible, something which is very physical, which seems as though it can protect us against anything. And it disappears. It's gone, it's gone in a moment. There's a circumstance which changes the environment in which we're in. The security that we placed uh, in one particular investment or pension fund or property, or whatever it might be, it's as though it's got up and flown away. It's gone. And so this unfolding of the Proverbs is pushing us in the direction of it's asking us the question what's going to endure what can you trust where's your security where's your hope further on in proverbs 28 and 26 we get right down to the heart the kind of the final stage or or the final deepest level of what it seems we can trust the first one we looked at trusting outside of ourselves in people. The second one we look at trusting in things, in security, and wealth and riches. The third one, surely the one which isn't going to desert us, is trusting in ourselves. But for our Proverbs 28, 26 is just so confrontational to that security and it says this those who trust in themselves are fools. It it feels as though the final rug has been pulled out from under us. If we can't trust in other people, if we can't trust in things, we can't even trust in ourselves. Is that true? We hear so much about the idea that we, we should build up our sense of self-worth and, and I've got a huge amount of time uh, for a lot of that thinking in the sense that uh, a lot of our struggles is because we are dealing with the the, the way in which others consider us or the, the, the pain, the sinfulness that we've experienced, where we've been the victims of, of terrible outrage or whatever it might be in, in our past growing up in in the life, in our earlier life, whatever it might be, say, well, surely we can trust in ourselves, surely building ourselves up in one sense. And I would say in one sense, yes, but the problem comes is that we all know that we are the very best at letting ourselves down. At the end of the day, yes, we need to, protect the well-being of our our own mental health and etc etc but we can't trust in it ultimately and completely because again and again we find that we ultimately let ourselves down we can't sustain it we haven't got the ability to hold on to that high ideal we haven't got the ability to to be strong continually to be um to be wise continually to be uh, sensible in every decision that we make and and kind to ourselves we we mess up and so proverbs is 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 saying that, look if you trust in yourself only you're a fool i'm a fool for trusting in myself because if you only look inside inside is all that there is and and that's limited but there's a glimmer of hope that we see at the end of verse 26 because it it gives us an alternative it gives us another step in a direction which which pushes us towards an idea of wisdom and it says but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. You see the the way in which that that proverb works. On the one hand, it's saying trust in yourself only. Look to yourself only to guide you through life, uh, and you, you're going to end up uh, coming a cropper. You're going to be a fool because you haven't got all that it takes to navigate and negotiate this life that we live, but. There is a way to walk, and it's walking in wisdom. It's looking outside of ourselves to a wisdom. So here's the thing that we, find, we, we next come to is, where is that wisdom? Because our first proverb said, don't trust in others. The second one said, don't tr- trust in things. The third one says, don't trust in ourselves. But there is a wisdom that we can trust in, and there is a wisdom that we can walk in and be kept safe. There is a hope. And that's what I think is amazing about the, the way in which the storyline of the Bible unfolds. A book like Proverbs, which gives us some great wise ways to live, some great ways of thinking. It It's almost a springboard, though. It doesn't give you the final answers it pushes you it it propels you forward and it says effectively to us as we work through the storyline of the bible it's almost saying okay you've got this far on this journey of coming to terms with how how this creator god has shaped you but don't give up now keep on going with the storyline of the bible see how it unfolds don't stop in proverbs keep on going, see how this uh, walking in wisdom unfolds and we've said time and time again that the way it unfolds ultimately is in Jesus and so we come to our next little cameo reading which is in Luke chapter 21 because what we see here is what a seemingly futile decision which actually reveals somebody who is walking in wisdom. The story is really simple. Jesus is is with some of his disciples, um, and they're in the temple. I've really privileged a few years ago to be able to go to uh, Jerusalem and see the, the the remnants of the temple and and just to imagine what it must have been huge space and and it must have been filled with with bustle and and activity and people adorning the temple with gifts and and so we see this story unfolding jesus is with his disciples and they see people putting uh, their gifts into the temple treasury and particularly they see the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury that's really important that's going to come back in a few minutes as we see how this little cameo works, at the same time as the rich putting their gifts into the, the temple treasury, they see a poor widow lady, and and the widow is significant in the day of Jesus because it's indicating without a kind of a system of social care well established, it's indicating that she would she was obviously unsupported. It would appear as though she didn't have family. Uh, She has two very small copper coins. And she gives those two copper coins into the temple treasury. And Jesus then makes a remarkable statement. Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. And, And quite obviously, quite clearly, she hasn't. But in another way, she has. He goes on to say, all these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty. And she put in all that she had to live on. So Jesus is saying, look at those rich gifts that have been given, but they were a a smaller proportion. People owned has given what she had to live on. And you think to yourself, that is the most unwise thing to do. That's futile. It's ridiculous. It appears to be even more futile and even more ridiculous with what Jesus next says. Because as, as this story unfolds, and Luke is 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 a genius, a God-shaped genius, uh, genius in the way that he's shaped by the holy spirit to construct the, the the narrative of of his account of jesus in this way immediately he tells another part of the story this unfolding story of jesus and he says immediately after they'd recognized the the widow who'd put in two small copper coins compared to the rich he immediately goes on and says some of the disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. Now that is really important because it reflects back on the first bit where we saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. It's almost as though the the disciples are marvelling at the outcome of those gifts and seeing the amazing adoration of the temple, the the beautiful stones, the ornate uh, way in which the temple um, was decorated, and it was because of the rich's gifts. And then Jesus says to them, after they'd remarked on that, "As for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another; every one of them will be thrown down." The temple, he says, this temple as you look around, is going to be destroyed. Happened in AD 70, when Jerusalem was sacked and and the temple was completely destroyed. And all of those riches were taken away. And you say to yourself then, not only were the rich gifts futile, but actually the two copper coins were futile as well, it would seem. They've both made futile decisions to give to something which Jesus is saying it's all going to be destroyed, except that Jesus has commended the widow for giving all that she had. How does that work? Why is the widow walking a wise life when she gives everything that she has, even though Jesus is saying the temple is going to be destroyed? And it's this. It's Jesus is saying to the disciples, you need to understand this and we need to understand this today. The adoration of the temple is not rooted in the building. It's rooted in what the widow knew, that this represents the presence of God with us and two tiny little copper coins which she gives to the temple is her way of saying not only do i believe that god is with us but i trust god for the future i know that he's got me i know that he's going to keep a hold of me therefore i can what looks like futility is actually wisdom because i can trust him into the future because i believe what this temple represents Is God present with us? And that is her wisdom over and above the riches given by the wealthy, who gave for the sake of adorning the temple, rather than for the sake of trusting in the God who is present with them. And that's what that's what Proverbs is driving at in twenty eight twenty six, where it says there is a way to walk in wisdom and a way to be kept safe. And it's when you trust in the presence of God. That sounds fantastic, but we are left with a conundrum. Because Jesus says the presence of God, which is this temple, which the widow was expressing her trust in the presence of God with his people through the temple, Jesus says, but that's going to be destroyed. How can we find a future enduring hope out of the words of Jesus? Well, remarkably, we find it in the temple again. In John chapter 2 and verse 19, we see another account of Jesus in the temple. uh, He's talking to to various people. uh, And John chapter 2 and verse 19, he says this. Destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. Well, he's already said that the temple is going to be destroyed, and he says, destroy this temple and I'll raise it again in th- three days is bizarre. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. Because actually, as the next verse says, it had taken forty-six years to build the temple. So Jesus was saying something which is absolutely ridiculous. Except that John gives us an extra indication, an extra piece of information, because he's writing after the event and he says this. It has taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it in three days, they say. But John adds this. But the temple he had spoken of Was his body. The widow has expressed her trust in the presence of God through the temple. And Jesus says, Destroy this temple and I'll raise it again in three days. And he's equating the presence of God not to the physical building anymore, but to his body. And Jesus is saying the temple that you now hold on to is not the physical temple because the spiritual temple has arrived. And the presence of God in Jesus is now what you trust. And that is the beginning of wisdom. That is walking in wisdom because Jesus is saying, trust me and the journey is secure. The resurrection of Jesus, the restoring of the temple in three days are the same thing. He's saying, You destroy this temple, this physical body that I dwell in, you will destroy it, but I'm going to raise it in three days and I will rise from the dead. And that will prove to you that there is something enduring outside of this world, outside of other human beings, other mortals who die and our hope placed in other mortals is crushed. And Jesus says, I'm the one who will live. If you trust in me, if you place your hope in me, I'm not a mortal who who will die and your hopes will die with them. I am a mortal who will die and your hopes will rise with me. And that's the offer of Jesus. And that is the hope that is placed before us. That is the foundation of wisdom. Because as soon as we see that the resurrection of Jesus changes everything, we see that that is where our hope is. That actually here is somebody who is human yet immortal. He dies and yet he lives. And in that moment, as soon as he does that, he makes a claim of authority, which says the wisdom that you need to live by is the the wisdom that you see in me. I am the authority. I am the wisdom. I am the hope. Possibly more than anything in the world in which we live in today, I'm the perspective that you need. Put everything, stack everything, shape everything alongside me. He is the perspective in our lives. He is the one that we can say in everything that we do, in everything that we uh, fulfill in life, we should we we have that hope of being shaped by his perspective on it, by his wisdom on it, by his hope in it, so we place our lives in him so that his resurrection becomes our resurrection, and all of the things that we hold on to, all of the things that we look to for security that drift away, that diminish, that rot that rust, that die are placed in a perspective against the one who lives and that is the hope that Jesus brings that is the foundation of wisdom that Jesus brings and he says therefore to us the unfolding of the walking in wisdom is found in the resurrection of Jesus Hi, Rash.
1: Hey, up. Cheers, Paul. Thank you so much. All right. Um, we've got five minutes just to have a natter. I don't think any questions are up there, but do send them if 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 you've got any questions. We'll be more than happy just to be caught out by it. Yeah, or, why not? <laughs> yeah. You know, we, we don't mind that. Uh, so one of my observations, just right off the bat, and yeah, it's not really a question, just an observation, was just to, as you were describing those proverbs, just to see the extent to which we. We do. We are led, or look to trust in other people, and are sort of taught to trust in ourselves. Those were two sort of messages, or not messages. They weren't messages. They were they were sort of realizations of the world around us. The extent to which our world is shaped that way that we really um, that we really look, you know, for somebody for for others to trust in, and we sort of we led down that road, and we are crushed and crumbled, aren't we? When when I was, I thought of this is the child in me. I thought of Iron Man. I know you you put a you put a very real somber note of how real that can be for us in life when when we do put you know because there is almost an inevitability about a certain amount of trust, isn't there, being mm-hmm. placed in somebody that we love? And I thought of the scene at the end of um, yeah the Avengers movies when Iron Iron Man dies and has his funeral, and you know watched it through my kids' eyes and my eyes. You just put all your hope. And I thought that's a real picture of us. We do look for these superhuman, these immortal, We do look for immortals. We're so desperate to look for immortal characters, and we are. And life is crushing yeah. when we're faced with that reality that our hope, you know, sort of ends there. So yeah, my head went Avengers as it.
0: Yeah, I think often um, does. I think as well. You know, the ancient world was far more binary. You know, that you you placed your, your hope in a ruler who, who was strong and powerful and militaristically superior. And, um, democracy wasn't, was, was it really in its, in its fledgling state? Um, but Ben, you know, you, you, we could probably argue that we place our trust maybe in democracy and rather than mortal, a mortal person, we, we place our trust in mortal people and the hope of democracy and that that can just so quickly and easily disappear and Mm -hmm. and it's that realization that actually no matter what scheme of authority or rule or governance that we strive after (laughs) they're Mm -hmm. all going to fail um yeah but the bible uh,
1: doesn't so i thought you were so it's easy just to sort of ignore almost you can run to a position where you ignore everything that's going on around you. And I don't think the wisdom of the Proverbs or indeed the Bible asks us to do that. Does it, 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 you know, we're very aware of the world that we're in, but I thought, I think some of the language you used was let's not be governed entirely by that. You know, it's it's not, it's not unwise to have a savings account. For example, it's absolutely there's loads, loads and loads and loads of wisdom, in, in those sorts of things. And there's even, there's even wisdom, some wisdom in, in having sort of heroes to sort of look up to, except I think you used a big, you paused and did a big but. I think that's, I don't know if you can remember that in the preach, but there, there's that, but as far as that almost, as far as that goes, do you know what I mean? As far as the, it's wise for you to do that. And the Bible does stop you in your tracks, I think, down, yeah. that, down that line of thinking and say, no, you need to, you will be crushed if, if all your hope if all your hope lies there. I, I remember a, a Tim Keller sermon who we often reference, who talked about the fact that he loved his wife, he loves his wife, Kathy, so, so much. Um, but And this is probably very a very real illustration given Tim's health at the moment. But if, if all his trust was in her, so he, he would remark, I'd often look for her um, to affirm a sermon I'd given, or to affirm you know this or that or the other. But he said, if all, all of my hope there was there, then when the day that they put her in the ground, Everything you know, everything's gone. Everything's yeah. gone for me, and I think it's just a real helpful, necessary challenge because it's it is it's so easy for us to think like that. The world is so shaped for us to yeah. to go to go that way, and then be crushed. Yeah. And the Bible, the Bible does do a bit of a detour when you get to yeah. that point. It says, "Hang on, try this." I think, yeah. I think, I think that's some of the that's the that's the greater wisdom. I think that yeah. we were that we were that we we're yeah. trying
0: to get. Uh, I think uh, Hebrews. Hebrews 11, 1 is it? Um, faith, faith it, It's rooted in faith. I think that's the thing. It's rooted in faith. And faith is believing in things that are not seen. So if you think about it, the things that Proverbs presents to us, the things that we trust in, um, other people, riches, ourselves, they're all visible things. Hmm. And, and the Bible is continually encouraging us to have faith into, in a God who is not seen. And yet, a God who has been seen, <laughs> hmm. um, and I think for many of us, we would say in experiential terms, a God who has been seen again in in the presence of the Holy Spirit and and the work that He's done. Um, yeah. So I think I think that's really important. And then yeah. There's sure this... got, we've Sorry, got go a on. question that's come up. One Corinthians one twenty four says, "Christ, the power of God and the wisdom mm-hmm. of God." So the question is, is Jesus wisdom? Uh, And I would say that that is really getting to the very heart of the way the wisdom of the Bible unfolds. uh, Because Jesus comes and fulfills all that has gone before. So he fulfills the wisdom as well. Uh, And ultimately we we see that he becomes, if you like, the blueprint of living. Um... He becomes a, a, somebody who, in in opposition and in um, trial and all the all the rest of it, doesn't hold back from his yeah. faith in in a father who, at that time, he doesn't see.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it does. It presents something that would look. Um, so, if you, if you were to simply view Jesus as somebody who's trying to be a king or get power, the way that he would do it, it would look really. F- The cross would be the height of the foolishness that you would, you know, that would be the, that would undermine all of his kingdom credentials, except the the Bible picks that story and says, no, this is the ultimate sense in which this is a different kind of a, different kind of a king and a different kind of a wisdom. So, yeah, I think, I think it is, if, if the question's looking for an answer, I think there, there is a sense in which, yeah, I, Wait for you to jump in, Paul. but I think that I think there is an ultimate sense of wisdom that, that, you know, shapes towards being found in Jesus is realized in Jesus, how we how we see him live.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and it's an empowered wisdom. I think that's the other thing. I, I think we mentioned it a few weeks ago. How is Jesus able to live that empowered life of faith? Um, yes, he's divine, but the, the, the baptism of Jesus makes it really clear that he is empowered to live the way he does because of the Holy Spirit that dwells within him, that mm. union of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And that's mm. what's remarkable about the promise of the Holy Spirit is mm. the same Holy Spirit who dwelt in Jesus and then powered his life is mm. the Holy Spirit that dwells in us and empowers our lives.
1: Mm. Brilliant. Uh, I, just, just lastly, then um, the um, I didn't, didn't. I've not written anything down about the widow herself, but it's, it is just a reflection. that It's kind of lovely that she is the, she is a personification of wisdom. I, I would think she would have had no idea of anybody. The, at least the way the story goes, I was just double checking to make sure this was a Jesus wasn't given an illustration. Here. This is a literal event, as yeah. far as I can see, that Jesus observes. Yeah this yeah. character that goes sort of completely unwittingly and yet performs this outrageous, in performing something so outrageously generous, yeah. you know, is, is this incredible lesson of wisdom. And it's such an encouragement, I think, because so often our acts, the acts of Christians do feel a bit lost in that, you know, it feels like we come, you come and make your offer and you think, well, that's, nobody's gonna, you know, nobody's gonna get anything from that. I won't get anything from that, nobody's seen yeah. it. And it yeah. just dissipates up in the, yeah. into a smoke and yet there's this great hope i think that with
0: absolutely so his actions
1: become like become eternal in this in a similar way to the to the, yeah. to the widow and, and you've
0: got to ask yourself well why is she wise doing that why does jesus command her wisdom to give away the last two copper coins yeah. and i think the wisdom is in the fact that we see somebody who has, because of her status in the world at that time has clearly experienced on a day-to-day basis god's provision for her she's been able to look back in life and say he's looked after me up to now yeah. therefore it is not a big thing for me to give away these two copper coins because i trust and believe he'll look after me tomorrow yeah that is remarkably wise living
1: yeah and it's and as you said it's her getting what the what the temp what the you know Understanding probably maybe more than the disciples did at that point. What the purpose of the temple was? Absolutely. It's like it's a it's a gen, it's a gentle yet fierce rebuttal as Jesus yes. points to this woman to the disciples. Look, she's yeah. she's giving it, and you still not you still not yeah. got it. Or maybe maybe that's why it remains a good le- you know a great little yeah.
0: that, story that for us. hit me when I read it that it's actually not just rebutting the rich; it's rebutting the disciples as well, who've who immediately start looking at the beautiful stones and. All the yeah. rest of it,
1: yeah, is just, yeah. just incredible, yeah, So, it's a great yeah thank goodness for uh, for Dr. Luke and his order do read if this is something that you are sort of wrestling with the wisdom of Jesus do read I think one Corinthians chapter one well one the the all of one Corinthians is helpful to that it comes comes back up but particularly chapter chapter one that will uh, that'll help you out Paul. I just wonder if you wouldn't mind uh, closing with a a prayer for us. yeah, that's
0: fine. Father, we thank you that when we are seeking wisdom, um, we are not left with um, a speculative journey, but rather you present before us uh, your Son Jesus, and in him is all wisdom. And so we pray that we might have faith to live in the pattern of his life and in our failures to trust in his success and in our successes to trust that it is his Holy Spirit Spirit empowering that has caused that success in the first place. We thank you that all of our hope is in Jesus. Uh, We thank you that he has paid the debt and therefore we, in his resurrection, can be filled with hope for the future. Amen. Amen.
1: God bless everyone. See you next week.
0: Take care. Bye-bye.